Today I'm diagnosed with ADHD and general major depressive disorder. And I'm taking medication for both. You know, I've seen therapists for both. Looking back, I did have it my entire life. However, I did not get diagnosed until I had just turned 24. Looking back now, it's just kind of like, it's frustrating and tragic and I feel like bad for myself that like I had to go through that. All that like suffering and like putting myself down and like all that pain was like so unnecessary. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamoto-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Nicolette Ray. She is a Native American Akama Pueblo and story artist in animation. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, uh, thank you guys for having me. Super excited to be on here. Also very nervous. Um, yes, I am a storyboard <laughs> artist. <laughs> I've been working in the industry since 2016. I was at Wild Canary for several years, worked on all five seasons of Puppy Dog Pals, did about half a year on Star Wars uh, Young Jedi Adventures, and then did some freelance for Netflix Spirit Rangers. And now I am not in the animation industry because it is kind of a barren wasteland right now. So I'm- <laughs> It's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. <laughs> We all know it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping it real. Right now, I guess I'm technically a game dev. I do illustrations for um, an indie game called Reclaim. It is a game made by Grassroots Indigenous Multimedia. They are mainly an Ojibwe nonprofit. I think they, they published some books, and this is their first game that they're making. The way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why. Okay. All right. right. Excellent. (laughs) Okay, 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 cool. I'll start us off with the first question. I'm ready. Would you rather have a day at the beach with Luca and his friends from Luca or go to a four-town concert with Mei Li and her friends from Turning Red? Oh, absolutely go to a four-town concert with Mei Li and her friends. (laughs) Are you kidding me? That's like, oh, no. not, I, that's not even a hard question. <laughs> I love turning red. <laughs> I would be May's age, like literally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Do you like concerts like that? Were you into boy bands? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Kind of revising my answer. I would, I would be like. I'm, I'm too cool for this, but I would want to go with my friends and I probably like secretly very, really enjoy it. Just because. Like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I was more into like, you know, pop punk growing up. Mm-hmm. So, okay, okay. I feel that. Like, yeah. my very first concert was uh, a Linkin Park concert in San Jose. <gasps> Dude, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, got nosebleed seats for their Meteora tour and it was great. Like, uh, one of my fondest Dude. memories. I yeah. never went to a concert really growing up, but I went to the recent Fall Out Boy concert. It was my oh. first time seeing them in, in like live because I was like, I, I only like their old songs and I don't want to see them on tour if they're playing the new songs, but they mm-hmm. played mostly old songs in this one. It's fucking awesome. And there was a giant dog head on stage uh, and it was, uh, nice. it was great. It was really cool. Oh, um, man. I, I kind of want to go see them because they're, they're going to be touring again next year and they're going to be touring with... Uh, Jimmy Eat World, and I love Jimmy oh. Eat World. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if the like, production value is as high as this one, I would highly recommend it. It was a really good concert. All right, sick. 
Because uh, I'm yeah. kind of same as you. Like, I prefer their old songs to their new ones. Like, I honestly mm. don't know their new ones, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll find myself, like, uh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, mm-hmm. this is kind of a bop. Yeah, same. <laughs> Sorry, to get back to the question, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what about you, Yuki? Which, uh, between the two? Like I said, I didn't really go to concerts when I was, like, younger. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, like, super into that same vibe of, like getting into like nosebleed seats and stuff i kind of like having really good seats so i think unless i could mm-hmm. get like a really good spot at the concert i'd be like nah well i think i think may and her friends got floor floor seats they sure did they got like the yeah. good seats yeah 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 those must have been so expensive <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they, they spent all their hustle money huh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that was the premise yeah. of the film yeah. i think it would be okay yeah. i do think it would be more fun because i would be going with other people i generally have a better time if like everybody else is sort of like yeah we vibe in like yeah. you know we're here for the yeah. same reason kind of thing so you want to be able to vibe at a beach i like going <laughs> to the beach but i think for me like a concert would be more like a like an event i guess okay you can beach anytime in california yeah. also the, be- the beach is cold <laughs> and sandy kind of over it i, I maybe okay because I, I also haven't been to like italy or like that part of europe so maybe if i had been maybe that would sway my decision yeah i'm like italy I'm beach. Mm-hmm. okay okay fair 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 okay this one's this was a little tough for me because i'm on, oh. i'm honestly not a beach person or a concert person hooray <laughs> <laughs> you just stay home <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, the beaches in California. I do not like the beaches in California. The sand is the sand gets too hot. The water is too cold. You get sand everywhere. You get, sand, real facts. Real you get facts. sand in your blankets. It's just like you get sand in your car when you're on the way home. I just feel like there's just sand everywhere for like weeks. You're like Anakin Skywalker. I think we're all like yes, Anakin Skywalker. Sand it just gets everywhere. <laughs> and then know. like. But again, I've never been to the beach in Italy. Maybe they're better. Like I like okay, I like the beaches in Hawaii. The Hawaii beaches were mm-hmm. nice because the water was actually like warm. Yeah. yeah. If I remember correctly, like California beaches are similar to Mediterranean beaches. So it okay. might be kind of a similar deal where like cold water also gross because it's it's just full of, you know, boats and all the stuff that boats <laughs> leave out in the in the water. That's true. Uh, it is like a fishing town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, like yeah, the whole Mediterranean, okay. like you know, centuries of like commerce and travel, so many cool things in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like going to the beach after after all. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is just I don't like going to the beach. I don't like going yeah, to the beach. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the beach is a little bit overrated, but like, uh, hot take. <laughs> damn. <laughs> but I, I guess I would probably choose. The Turning Red concert. It's, it's like, okay. again, I'm, I don't know if I really really enjoy concerts because I've just never gone. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm actually going to be going to a concert today. The recording of <laughs> recording of today's podcast, I'm going wow. to a concert. Wow, about to eat your words, What, what concert? What concert? NBD. <laughs> uh, oh, I never heard of that. They were really big in Mexico and like in oh, the okay. like Hispanic community. Basically, it's like three guys and three girls. Like it's like their comeback tour. It's like oh, they they were okay. really big in the early two thousands. Every like Hispanic girl had posters of them all over their wall and stuff. And so like, dude, you're going to see Four Town for real. You're going to you're see Four Town. My <laughs> wife was a really big fan of them, and so as an early birthday gift, I, I surprised her with tickets to the concert. Oh, cute. We're also dressed up like because. So like I have like oh, uh, 
This is like oh part of the outfit god. that I have to Oh my wear. god, I love it. You're oh fit. my god. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes. Camera, camera can't see it, but if you know Ereberde, you know like their little blazers of the college that they went to. That's cute. If I was to write down the band name, how would I write it down? R B D. R B D. Oh, R B D. Yeah. Um, they're 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 known as Rebelde or Ereberde. I guess I'll do concert. Hopefully I have a fun time at this one. I know my wife is like she loves them. So it's going to be a fun time. I'm just going to have fun just being there for her. <laughs> I do kind of love the idea of like dressing up for concert too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last question. Mm-hmm. Which aloof dragon would you rather befriend? Charizard from Pokemon season one or Haku from Spirited Away? Oh, Haku. Always. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a paradigm shift in my life when I saw theater. I didn't actually get to see it in movie theaters when it first came out, but I saw the poster oh. and just like, mm-hmm. this is the culmination of everything I love. Dragons, but it's also fuzzy, but it's also realistic. And it's also a person and an ascension and me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean you like saw yourself as Haku? Like, No, I don't know. Like, I, I want to like be his friend. I also want to ride him, but I also want to be also a dragon like him. Mm-mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Apparently in the English translation, when Chihiro sees Haku like in the dragon form and he's being attacked mm-hmm. by those like paper things, in the Japanese, nobody says anything. He just kind of like appears and then she helps him. In the English translation, she's like, is that Haku? Like, he's being attacked. And it's like, it adds so much more context to that. But <laughs> otherwise, you're just supposed to assume like, Oh yeah, there's a dragon, there's a boy. I guess they're the same. Yeah. The the <laughs> other the other difference between the the dub and the sub is mm. when Chihiro first sees Haku fly away in the distance, mm-hmm. in the Japanese uh, version, like she doesn't say anything. She just looks up and then just sees like a little white worm flying in the air. Mm-hmm. And like that's it. In the English version, it's like, oh Haku's a dragon. Mm-hmm. And I I can't imagine what it'd been like to like watch Spirit away and just be like, huh? Yeah. And then like we just <laughs> yeah. never talk about it ever again until we see him <laughs> later on, and it's like it's that thing again. <laughs> and it's like, what, Jira, yeah. why are you why are you helping it? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> it's extremely confusing. I don't know. I I really appreciate stuff like that. I don't know if that's considered a localization, but I really appreciate that one in in the dub. Mm. yeah i mean it's probably like you know super americans won't get it but also like dumb child me would not have gotten it (laughs) yeah there's nothing telling me that these two things are the same that's fair what do you think ray what do you think of this i don't know this is hard because i I would like i think i would like a charizard charizard be cool charizard's Mm. big though he's not that big he's not that big oh yeah yeah, yeah, he's bigger than charizard i would say way bigger if if we're talking about size I'm talking about like like he's like I guess Charizard's kind of hefty like he's like not tall but he's <laughs> like, like he's hefty. round. It's yeah, so yeah, he's round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like um, here's the thing that's crossing my mind is that like okay. Charizard was really hard to befriend. Like it's like in the game you need all these badges or whatever, and like it just took time with Ash. So I just don't know like yeah. what's gonna take for like Charizard not to like burn me every time I want to talk to him. But like once you do. But I think it'd be cool to have a friend that could turn into a dragon. I just don't know if I would ride him. I think that'd be weird. He's cool it with would. it. But he's cool. He's cool with it. He's cool with it. But <laughs> he's also, he's, he's also it's, it's like fine. the manifestation of a of a river. You know. Yeah. It's, he's also like, like a river fine. spirit. It's fine if he's cool with it, but I, I like <laughs> I just feel like I'd just be like like it, it'd be weird for me even if I was on somebody's shoulders, like a buddy of mine, you know? Like I was just kind of on his shoulders, like 
I just like I think I'm cool with hanging out with Haku. You can turn to a dragon as a fun party trick, do some stuff, you know, whatever he wants to do. Uh-huh. But like you and your I think party be- tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think Haku would be easier to befriend. And it'd be mm. cool to have a friend that can turn into a dragon versus Charizard, who I think would be more difficult. And, like, the chance of me getting burned are, like, super high. <laughs> I mean, Charizard is kind of, like, an animal. <laughs> like, has its own has its own mind. And, like, mm-hmm. you have to, like... Especially if you're thinking, like, you know, first season Charizard. Yeah, like, Ash's Charizard is what Just, I like, mean. really... The really, mm. really bitchy lizard dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would go with Charizard yeah. for this question. <laughs> Not because I don't love Haku, but for the pure satisfaction of, like, animal hates me, I befriend it so hard that it's actually, like, so fucking loyal to me. And I really, like... That's fair. I think in season one, the way that Ash really wins him over is, like, Charizard tries to join this, like, tribe of other Charizards, but they, like, think he's weak. So they, like, throw him in a pit of water, basically, and Charizard's about to, like, I don't know, unalive himself, <laughs> because if the their tail goes, like, out, then they basically yeah. die. So Ash, like, helped him through it by being like, don't fall asleep, and he, like, fucking throwing rocks at him. <laughs> <laughs> but in that way, like, I think it was it was really cool, because, like, then he kind of, like, respected Ash after that, and, like... Mm. every once in a while he'll be like oh, I gotta fight somebody really tough every back Charizard <laughs> <laughs> well, did we also see that he was like also a puny ass Charizard compared to the other ones he was smaller compared yeah. to other Charizards he's a little baby mm. oh, yeah. but yeah I think just for the pure satisfaction of being like you like me now <laughs> <laughs> oh no Charizard's honestly really cool but he's also like a bit of a dick no, he's like, a huge dick because uh, he's Ash he saved be, you. He, my you're, friend. You're, you were in the rain. You were about to also unalive yourself <laughs> in the freaking rain. And Ash took you in. And then, oh, you got big and strong. And now you're like, oh, I'm too good for Ash. Yeah, he hit no, I get it. I get it, though. You see Charizard, you're like, I can fix him. Yeah, I can fix him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my toxic trait. I, I can fix him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for playing in between with us. Huzzah. <laughs> And if you want to listen to the extended version of the in-between segment, support and subscribe to us on Ko-fi. Just type in ko-fi.com forward slash straightaheadap. And if this is your first time tuning in, please be sure to follow us on Blue Sky and Instagram at straightaheadap to stay up to date whenever we upload a new episode. We're so happy to have you on as a guest, Nicolette, especially as we're celebrating Native American Heritage Month. Thanks for inviting me on here, but I had figured, like, hmm, this timing is suspicious. <laughs> it's for Native American Heritage Month. <laughs> I know, we were very unslick about it, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, though. Regardless, the first question we want to ask is, how did you first get your start in the animation industry? So, I grew up as, like... You know, the, the, the kid who draws, and then I made friends with other kids who draw. And I went to Mopitas mm-hmm. High School, and at that time, you know, there was the pressure starting of like, okay, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What school are you going to go to? What are you going to major in? I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I just know I like to draw. But my art teacher at Mopitas High, um, Mrs. Henschke, she took us to a field trip to San Jose State University. And mm-hmm. it never really hit me until I visited San Jose State that, like, people make cartoons. 
Yeah, like people oh, make yeah. them. <laughs> like, like that's like mm-hmm. a legit thing. Like people, like it's a skill to have, and like that's yeah. a job people do, and like you know, make a living off of it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to San Jose State. So then I got to San Jose State, and then I was there for seven years. Which oh my is gosh! Oh wow! Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn. It's a lot, but also I'm definitely not the only one. Mm-hmm. At least a few other of my classmates in my year also were at in school for about seven to five years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. graduated in 2015, moved out to LA with some friends, rented a place in Glendale. And then it was just kind of like, just get a job, get any job. And then meanwhile, you know, try to get into industry. Mm-hmm. So I got like a production management job at a very small, like explainer video company. And I was just like, oh. I'm good. I have done it. And then I got a cold <laughs> email in, I want to say like November 2015 from a place called Wild Canary. And hmm. I was like, is this spam? <laughs> I was like. I never heard of Wild Canary. And then like I, I uh-huh. looked them up and I looked up the person who sent it to me and I was like, oh, oh, this is like an animation studio. Uh, okay. So like I did an interview with them and like we visited the office and I was just like, oh, it's real. <laughs> this thing that like I've been coveting for like, you know, the past seven years is like within reach. And Wild Canary is a very small studio in Burbank. But to me, I mean... Th- this first studio I really visited with the intent of like maybe working there. So it was all mm-hmm. very cool to me. And then I took a test to be a storyboard revisionist in early 2016. And then I got hired and brought on as an apprentice storyboard revisionist in, I want to say, May 2016. Wow. Um, so was the cold uh-huh. email for an artist position or was it like they it saw was, that you were a yeah. PM? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they had no idea I was a PM at some other place. Oh, wow. Okay, okay wow. Apparently, they got my name off a list of recent San Jose State graduates. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh. It's kind of a win-win because they get to hire someone for, like, the <laughs> the lowest possible <laughs> union minimum wage or rate. <laughs> and I get a step foot in into the industry doing, like, artist work. Yeah. Mm. Ah, that's so awesome. So, yeah, that was for season one of Puppy Dog Pals. Oh, okay. So I was at Balconary working at Puppy Dog Pals. In the following year, in 2017, I started to make the transition from storyboard revisionist to storyboard artist. It was very hard. The learning curve from being a revisionist and storyboard artist was much larger than I thought it was going to be. My first Mm. boards were very bad. May have had a little bit of a mental breakdown. But it was fine. I learned and I grew and I was became a better person and a better artist. And then <laughs> what do you think was the biggest struggle transitioning from revisionist to boards? And this was like your apprenticeship revisionist position into like a full time board position? Yeah, so apprenticeship it lasts for about a year, I think. Oh. Or maybe six six months. And then I go mm. from apprentice revisionist to a full on re- revisionist. revisionist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah. And then uh-huh. like and then, you know, like a uh, first six months revisionist, second six months revisionist, and then a journey revisionist. Journey is like the highest minimum tier that you can be as far as like union rates go. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I had been on journey for like just a little bit, but I was kind of like, I can do this. I know the show. I can draw <laughs> these puppies real good. Uh huh. And like I, I, I could, it was just, it's, it's so much harder to make something out of nothing. Whereas when you're a revisionist, you have already something in front of you and you're just, you know, manipulating it to be like a better version of itself. 
Whereas mm-hmm. as a storyboard artist, you're, so you're given a script, but like, and you're given designs, but other than that, it's like, you're thrown in, into the pool in the deep end, like. Well, cause yeah, you're deciding yeah. all the camera angles, yeah, you're deciding yeah, the, the camera blocking, angles, you're the deciding block- the characters are in the scene, like, mm-hmm. like, oh, do I want to pair these characters together? Like trying to like, exactly. cause also it's a 3D show. You have to take your account of character count. Which is probably yes. something maybe you didn't have in mind when just doing revision. Because usually when the revision is like, oh, hey, we need to take out these characters. So can you take them out? Or like they kind of give you the resolution. You just need to apply it versus like trying to keep that in mind as you're starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being a revisionist on Puppy Dog Pals was a really good learning experience because I, I did learn all of those little nuances of like the character count and like what the characters in the background can actually do and like how many characters can be on the screen at the same time. And like, if there's these characters on the screen at the same time, like who is actually like doing most of the acting and, and like, is this the right camera angle to like tell this particular shot from mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then suddenly it was just like, you know, all on me to figure that out. Cause like, uh, I know some, some studios, the directors basically thumbnail out the whole episode and then they give that to the mm-hmm. story artist to work off of. Mm. Not at Wild Canary. They just like give you the script and you, you know, you get the board launch and we kind of go over like, okay, so we're thinking about this for this part and maybe this for this part. Maybe we might take this part off. But we might like, you know, cut this part. So like, don't work too hard on it. But other mm-hmm. than that, it's just like, go. And oh. it's one of those things like it takes up all of my brain CPU. Mm-hmm. If that oh, makes no, sense. Oh, no, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I totally get you. Yeah. If you're like... I don't know if like uh, I'm. I'm just reminded of like working on like an older laptop and you're like trying to like you know draw, and like mm-hmm. the, the you can hear the fans going like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and like it's like going nuclear in your lap and you're just like please just let me just let me finish my work. That's like my brain while I'm storyboarding and like you know it's gotten better the CPU has gotten more efficient but when I'm storyboarding I can't listen to anything with words like you know including podcasts i can't listen to podcasts i can't listen to any music with words mm-hmm. even some music that has like a lot of like variations in it's like tempo it gets like distracting so like mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. become that person who listens to like almost white noise mm-hmm. <laughs> like electronic white noise there's a name for it and it's really stupid but i gotta share it Bioral beats <laughs> Bioral <laughs> beats IRL and like, beats. And, yeah, and then like get into like the gamma wavelength. And it's like, this is so stupid, but like it actually like calms my brain down. <laughs> ah. It distracts the part of my brain that the ADHD is like, I must be listening to something while I'm doing another thing. But like if mm-hmm. I listen to the wrong thing, then I can't do the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's such such a huge mood. Yeah. Like like some weeks I'll be like, yeah, I'll throw on the fucking lo-fi playlist, like, no problem. Oh, yeah. And then other other weeks it's like, I hate this. Put on something else. Put on. This isn't right. <laughs> I yeah, can't this start. Right. We got to find the right one. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole thing. Anyways, I got better. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I got better. And then, you know, season one passed. And then I was, I started boarding on season two of Puppy Dog Pals. I switched over to doing songs only on season three and going on forward from that. Because I went from hating to do the songs and like finding them really hard to being kind of good at them to the point where they're like hey you're very good at songs only do the songs i'm like oh oh, okay (laughs) (laughs) you found your little special trait made made it your wheelhouse yeah yeah yeah. and then like it looking back at it now it kind of makes sense because like i was also that kid who 
if I listened to music that I like, I would imagine in my head like an AMV. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like I didn't notice that like I was just kind of like drawing from that old habit of mine and then just kind of like using it to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild just to think about that, but that's the way, the best way I can describe it. Like, and now mm. when I listen to music, I'm able to think of more vivid AMVs. <laughs> <laughs> feeds back into the hobby, mm-hmm. feeds back into the loop. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and then the pandemic hit and we were like finishing up season four, going to season five. Mm-hmm. All of season five was mm-hmm. done during the pandemic. And then Puppy Dog Pals never got renewed. So once I finished, you know, doing a, cause I, I was, I was kind of like dual storyboarding and revising, but still getting paid as a storyboard artist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, was, yeah. I was there, I was there for pretty much to like the very end. Cause I was also helping Yeah, revising. a good wow. amount of time, like five, five seasons. Dude, five seasons, not bad. No, that's, that's, that's like, that's a nice stable paycheck. It's kind of unheard of. Like, yeah, like, that's, a, that's I, almost I, like <laughs> similar to like SpongeBob and like Simpsons, like just that level of like consistency. <laughs> yeah. After Puppy Dog Pals, you moved on to Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures, which is also a wild canary. How was that transition? So, the transition to that was I thought it was just going to be another Puppy Dog Pals because it was mostly the same crew, it was the same studio, um, even though hmm. it was just going to be all remote. So it's just like, okay, so I'll just, you know, switch gears and like learn to draw action scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And man, coming from a very preschool show where like I'm drawing puppies going on adventures, you know, riding skateboards and stuff to mm-hmm. like trying to like figure out how to choreograph like preschool friendly fight scenes is kind of <laughs> wild. So the reason why I was only on that for six months was because Spirit Rangers actually popped up as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, I was burnt out mm. going from the pandemic to like a new show that was like, very different than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with collabing with um, Lucas, like that there was basically more eyes on the product higher up mm-hmm. and there was more chance for very late changes to the story. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like CEO notes and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Like so mm-hmm. from Walkinary to Disney to to Lucas and then like they might not agree with each other. Then you get the S&P notes. You got to figure out like how to balance all that together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot more sense because with with Puppy Dog Pals, you're just only dealing with Disney. It's just Disney. Yeah. Uh, with the Star Wars Young Jedi, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, Disney and Lucas. And, Lucas. and like And they might not always agree or like because I, I know stuff that I've heard on the grapevine is that Lucasfilm is very particular about the Star Wars IP. Mm. Oh, ex- extremely, yes. Yeah, I, I know we probably might not be able to go deep into it. I just know that they're very particular and protective. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Protective is a very good word about it. Kind of jumping ahead, like, as far as I know, we're not even allowed to, like, show work from it. Like, even though mm-hmm. our episodes are out and done, the last I've been told is that Lucas doesn't want us to, you know, like, put up reels or, like, you know, make a show, little post. Work yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas, like, Puppy Dog Pals, like, as soon as an episode was up, I could, like, you know, put up clips of, like, stuff I boarded, and it's, it was, like, you know, no problem, like, not, no one cared. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, yeah. kind of a neat thing to put out there. But, like, Interesting. I think because we worked on the show, we can't even put fan art up of the show. Oh, oh that's lame. But that makes sense. Yeah. Even if we say, like, this is just fan art, yes, I work on the show, but this is, I did this outside of work hours. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just they're they're just being very very cautious and protective. Yeah, mm, makes sense. 
So it was a bit of like that kind of attitude and also just like it wasn't just like the artist being stressed out, like the director's being stressed out and it, it just mm-hmm. like leaked down to the artist and like there's some bad feelings happening that I won't go into. But mm-hmm. when Carissa Netflix reached out to me saying like, hey, uh, Netflix gave us more money. You want to work on Spirit Rangers? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, quick, quick question on that. Something I kind of want to ask on top of that yeah. is like. How did you get on Carissa's radar or how did they find out about you? So Carissa, she knew of me right like from the from the beginning. We have a mutual friend, Katarina Sukimoto, but also also a SJSU alum, graduated same year as me. Mm. Carissa and she name dropped me to Carissa and back when Spirit Rangers was first announced, Carissa, I think she sent an email to me says like I, w- I would love to like have you on the show, but uh, you know the art side of production is all being done in France, and we're, mm-hmm. we're just using that studio for now. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I mean, if if I if I could, I would have you on, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you know, Carissa reached out again and saying like, "Hey, like, uh, it is now possible for you to work on Spirit Rangers," and I was just like, "Yes," because <laughs> I was I, at that point I was kind of like I was burnt out from working on a Star Wars show, and I was. And I, I, I wasn't like actively looking to leave. I was just like, if something comes up, I'll, I'll take it. And mm-hmm. something come, came up and I took it. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it was great. Cause like, uh, thing with Wild Canary, I'm not working there anymore. So I'll tell this. <laughs> they don't, <laughs> I mean, they're a smaller studio. So, uh, that could be part of it, but they mm-hmm. are very reluctant to give raises. Mm. I mean, I, I worked there from, you know, 2016 to like, 2021 i believe i was gonna say like yeah like almost like a year a season so like you five five plus years yeah so like i I remember five seasons on the show and like half a season on another one but i tried to ask for a raise going into season four or five of puppy dog pals wow and they said no you're already getting getting a raise it's the union gives you like you know little pay bumps and Mm -hmm. those are not raises those are cost of living adjustments that are negotiated with the amptp the contracts mm-hmm. yeah yeah the contract that is something that i've have heard about wild That's canaries right. that they they like paying you the base union rate and don't really like going that much above what the base union rate is mm-hmm. for your current position mm. i mean that, that was another reason why i was kind of like if something else comes up i'll take it Mm-hmm. thinking back on it i, I did get mad because i was like yeah okay you, you like you can you can mm-hmm. tell me that you won't give me a raise that's totally fine you can just say no but don't get confused and like inadvertently or maybe purposefully lie to me saying that you're giving me a raise when it's just cost of living adjustments that are union mandated. Like those aren't actual yeah. like that's it's not raises. a raise. Yeah. That's just everything is more expensive now because everything is more expensive. That's just how <laughs> yeah. the economy works. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's that, yeah. very different. That's so frustrating of it being mm. kind of like I mean, I don't know if this is exactly what you were getting at, but it does sound like, a, oh, you should be grateful because you're already getting, your oh, yeah. your pay is already increasing. It's like, n- no, it's not. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The conversion is the same from what I had yeah. before. My pay would be the exact same if I were to work for X Studio. You're not yeah. giving me anything extra here. Yeah. Yeah, That that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, but, you know... The, the other side of it is that I did work there for five seasons for, for yeah. like a, the entire, the, the whole like life the of, of a career, show. Basically. Yeah. 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 So like if all Canary is good about one thing, they're really good about keeping on people. The job stability was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Yeah. 
Also, mm-hmm. they are very good at hiring new best friends I had never met before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the people they hired were are excellent. Like, I still keep in t- in contact with them. Um, I actually just went to the aquarium with uh, one of my old uh, Volcanary friends uh, a couple mm-hmm. days ago. I have met some new BFFs and like you know like from some forever friends. Mm-hmm. through wild canary mm. and like that to me was like my favorite part of working there and that that is also a huge part of like why i actually miss kind of like wait i miss working in-house at the studio mm-hmm. because there's something about being in the same room where everyone is working hard on the same project you're all going the same direction mm-hmm. and like there's just that solidarity of like even if like you're feeling like a little tired then you want to take a break i could just like you know get out, out of my seat and just go bother with my friends and like see what they're working on it's like oh hey you want to go get coffee okay let's go get coffee yeah absolutely that was just like so good for like my emotional and mental health mm-hmm. and i yeah. do miss that very much <laughs> but going back to where i was in the story netflix pays very well for freelance <laughs> like <laughs> i earned about the same amount of money that year for doing two episodes at Netflix and then like sub- like a few months at Wild Canary as I did for like previous years. Mm. So like mm-hmm. I worked less but got the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. No, Netflix pays well. <laughs> yeah. The only thing is like the- the Netflix is also like Netflix is also unstable. <laughs> yeah, extremely unstable, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not the best. I mean, things could have changed. But last yeah. time I heard is they're, they're also not the best at retaining people because yep. their mm-hmm. current pipeline isn't as streamlined as other studios. Like, again, Pixar and Disney have probably one of the best pipelines as they know when to approve and greenlight shows. That way, when one show ends and people are rolling off, like, oh, there's these new projects that are starting up. Let's mm-hmm. roll, you, roll you over to here. And so retention rate is... Oh, yeah a bit more streamlined. Netflix is still getting there. There's there's still very much like a gig studio where it's like you're on this project for a bit and then you finish and then you go. And then like maybe if the the stars align and the planets are in the right place, if Mercury is not in beta rate, then you you might have like a show that you can hop onto after you're done with this one. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. say Mercury is not in Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) So after your time at Wild Canary and after your time at Netflix, now you're working on, as a game artist and illustrator on a native Ojibwe indie game called Reclaim. Mm-hmm. What has that transition been like for you, both in the new role, but also as we talked about the state of the industry, <laughs> shifting industries? Yeah, so I I finished up my last freelance at Netflix in December of last year. And I, I also got burnt out from that, like not because necessarily because of the work, but it was also it was the work plus the holiday season. Plus, I also got COVID, mm. which completely kicked oh, no. my ass. Oh, no. I didn't have anything lined up after Spirit Rangers. I was like, that's mm. fine. <laughs> that is OK. I need mm-hmm. a break. But I also like keep the attitude of like, well, if someone reaches out, then I'll, I'll say and if I like it, I'll say yes. So I was just kind of, you know, coasting for most like the first half of this year. And then I think it was Josh Heron who reached out to me. Hmm. He's a storyboard artist at Bento. We knew of each other, but we never actually like talked or met. But he reached out to me saying like, hey, like I'm, I'm working as art director for this Ojibwe video game. And we're looking to hire more artists. And like, I really like your stuff. I think you really, really good match. And it just kind of went on from there where I was like, yeah, sure. The other thing was that. Since it is, it's an indie game. It's made by a nonprofit. There's not a lot of money in it, so mm. mm-hmm. I'm capped at 15 hours a week. Oh wow! 
Yeah. So it's, it's very part-time. We meet once a week to like go over the art and stuff. So mm-hmm. whatever I work on, it's just like, I kind of have to have, I have a stopping point because it's like, well, I can't really go on until like I show my work and like, get feedback and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Like it's like night and day working on a game than um, animation. Like it, it, it kind of feels like I don't have a job, even though like I, I'm, I am employed. I am. Mm-hmm. I do. I get, I get checks every month <laughs> from, from the university of Minnesota, who I guess is like partly funding the game. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like I do have a job. I, it is a part-time job, but it also feels like I'm still unemployed. Like I still have unemployed brain. Uh-huh. That makes sense. It's, it's probably because you're not occupied for that 40 hours a week that you're used to. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And also mm-hmm. like, I'm doing illustration work, specifically character portraits. It's, it's kind of like a point and click game where like the main character talks to other characters and I'm in charge of drawing the portraits of the other characters that the main character talks to. And mm-hmm. like, if there's like a different emotion, then I'll, I'll draw that, that character in a different pose uh, mm-hmm. expressing that emotion. So it's, it's illustration work, character illustration mm-hmm. work specifically. And it takes up significantly less brain CPU than storyboarding. Like, <laughs> yeah, I the fan's not I going can't. at full force. <laughs> yeah, the fan's not going. It's it's going a little bit, but like I regularly watch like uh you know YouTube videos while I draw, and like mm-hmm. that's something that's like unheard of when I'm storyboarding. Like I definitely no no visual anything. I can't be looking at, and I can't mm-hmm. be looking at that. I can't be listening to it. But uh, illustration work, it's not using the language part of my brain. I think that's what mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm. If someone can map out my brain, that would be very helpful because <laughs> I'm always lost. <laughs> so what, one of the things I also want to ask as we kind of start to wind down as well is how does your cultural background influence you in the work that you do? Um, so like my cultural background has only semi-recently kind of come into the picture. Mm. Mm. When the pandemic happened, one of the more significant things that it affected me personally in a way was that I was no longer able to, you know, go visit my family on the Akama reservation. Mm. Like the, the mm. reservation was shut down, like no outsiders. Like if you were not a resident of the reservation, you were not allowed on there. Oh. So like, you know, even, even though like I have family there, like, like I, I'm a member of the tribe. Like I, even if I wanted to, I could not go. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like, realizing what I had when I didn't have it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of went crazy and bought like a bunch of Amazon books about, you know, uh, the Acoma Pueblo and uh-huh. like, I'm just like, if I can't be there, I'm going to, I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to learn about my people. <laughs> like I, I read like textbooks and biographies and I actually ended up, and I ended up reading a biography of what I later found out was my great, great, grand uncle or something oh uh-huh yeah so like he had this whole biography written about him and i'm just like learning things that like i never knew before about my tribe and some things that like i probably would never have known because the way the tribe works is that what you know about like the traditional practices is kind of like on a need-to-know basis mm-hmm. it was really it was really fascinating so some of the stuff that i was reading was like not approved to be released by you know, Akuma Pueblo. Oh. They've actually, like, you know, like, made statements like, don't read this book, don't buy this book. It was, like, made without the consent of the tribe. Mm. But, like... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's stuff that's, you know, been out there for, like, you know, like, half a century already. Wow. And, like, it was that, that it was that kind of stuff I didn't know when, like, I bought those books, but, like, mm-hmm. 
it, mm-hmm. so I was like a little conflicted. Was like, should I read this? But they're like, but also like it it is like my my people's story. So like if anyone's mm-hmm. gonna read this, I feel like it might as well be someone who is like actually from the tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of like had like a little bit of like a native renaissance like just a little personal renaissance <laughs> personal if that renaissance. makes sense <laughs> yeah just just in my just in my brain just just for yeah, fun yeah mm-hmm. it gave me a sense of self-awareness that i didn't really think of before because like being native american has not been relevant to my career pretty much ever like it's 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 only mm-hmm. been like an interesting anecdote like like mm-hmm. if there is like an icebreaker happening it's like oh yeah i'm I, you know I'm, I'm half native american half italian and then it's mm-hmm. like what oh cool that's so cool what tribe i'm like acma pueblo I'm like i don't know that and it's like that's okay acma <laughs> <laughs> pueblo by the way is one of the pueblo tribes in new mexico mm. they're usually clumped together it's like the pueblo indians are like the, the, the oh, pueblo, native american pueblo tribes but mm-hmm. it's not like the, the the languages aren't necessarily shared mm-hmm. so like there's only like a couple other Pueblo tribes that Akama can converse to, oh. mm-hmm. you know, with the orig- uh, original language. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when that did kind of become, I guess, part of why people were hiring you? Obviously, like Spirit Rangers, like Carissa's mm-hmm. thing was she wanted to have like a native cast. And then like, I don't know how the Ojibwe people who are making the game Reclaim found you. Did you feel any certain way about that? Or were you just like, oh, neat? It, it kind of felt like, like everything just kind of fell in line. Cause like, so before Spirit Rangers and before Reclaim, mm-hmm. Ian from LA Skins Fest, uh, which is like a uh, film festival, but just for Native American filmmakers, mm-hmm. he reached out mm-hmm. to me to, I think this was in 2020, to be a guest speaker for his animation fellowship class, I believe. So like, that was like my first real, like, I'm invited to this thing. Mm-hmm. Solely because, like, I am Native American and in animation. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been invited back by Ian a couple other times, and actually did like an in-person talk in 2021. Um, we, we were at one of those UCs. Mm-hmm. Angela was there, <laughs> the one that she, <laughs> the school that she goes to. So I was at an in-person talk with the creator of Onyx Equinox, which is a a show mm. on. Yeah, uh, Crunchyroll, Crunchyroll, right? Yeah which, is, yeah, which is amazing. Quick segue: everyone should watch it. <laughs> and also, Crunchyroll, if you're listening, please, 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 please make subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> There's no subtitles. Like, I like, I get it. Like, the show is is in English, but like, Mesoamerican names are like crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I would like to, and and like the the you know the voice actors say it really like smoothly and fluently, but like you know my stupid uneducated brain is like, what what was their name? No, I, I need subtitles even on, like, native English-speaking shows. Like, it's just, <laughs> I need to look at the word, yeah. So uh, she was in a talk, and then um, Marie Bauer, she's a storyboard artist, and mm-hmm. Stella Longfish also, hmm. designer. So, like, it was a really good panel. Like, there's, like, you know, a good handful of people in the crowd, and we just, like, talked about our experiences. And all of this stuff was happening because I was Native American. It, it, it felt right. Like, it didn't mm, okay. feel like I was, like taken advantage of or like saying it because like oh you know yeah. token native american it was more like yeah i'm here and we've we've fucking been here like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've always been here and like puppy luck pals is you know made by a native american deal with it you know uh, <laughs> lion guard is like you know made by a native american deal with it That's awesome. stuff like that 
Uh-huh. Just yeah. just kind of just kind of like learning to like that it's okay to kind of own the space that you're occupying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of like know that like you're I don't know if like you're being owed that space is the right word, but it kind of feels like it. Cause and also like yeah, we are kind of owed. <laughs> like this oh, is, of course. Yeah, in, in in different aspects, yeah. yeah. In different aspects, yeah. So everything like kind of came to a head last year was like, you know, I I left Volcanaria, I was on I did one episode of Spirit Rangers and then me and like the Spirit Rangers crew went to by crew I mean um Carissa, Kelly, John Tom, and Joey, we all went to the uh, Santa Fe Indian market together along with uh Jolie Proudfit who's like the consultant on Spirit Rangers I believe. Mm. So and this was before Spirit Rangers had a, a release date. So we went mm-hmm. to we I, I I forget who put this all together but we were able to do kind of like a guerrilla marketing campaign where we were basically walking around with little paper fans, right? Fans, fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey was telling us about this as well. Yeah, and it was super yeah, cool yeah. like <laughs> it was also like we're walking around like, "Hey, you should watch Spirit Rangers. When is it coming out?" I don't know. <laughs> soon. <But> soon, <laughs> and, yeah, soon. Yeah, soon. <laughs> and you should watch it. And that experience at the Indian market, it was only like, you know, two days. I met so many people that I normally would not have. And, it, you know, the, the Indian market, like there's all kinds of tribes selling their wares. And I kind of gravitated toward any that I recognize as, you know, um, Acoma Pueblo tribes. Mm-hmm. And I met so many people who are like, oh, yeah, I think you're like, you're like, you're my niece i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) cool and like yeah i yeah i'm your uncle i'm like oh hi uncle (laughs) (laughs) like like just just do like various like you know in in in-laws and like you know uh, Uh marriage shenanigans so it was yeah like meeting people that i our family that i didn't know were family and this opportunity just came because i worked on this, you know, revolutionary little uh, kids show that Netflix has, you know, <laughs> was kind of neglecting. So we're out there, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on, on our feet, like handing out these these fans and like promoting it and stuff like that. So one of, one of the things I also want to make sure we have time for um, before we kind of segue into the final question is you brought up earlier that you kind of had like a mental breakdown when you transitioned from like revisionist story but also you were feeling the sense of burnout after being on puppy dog pals and then young jedi how did you overcome that first mental breakdown but also how have you been dealing with burnout in this industry dealing with it badly (laughs) to be quite honest (laughs) (laughs) today i'm diagnosed with adhd and general major depressive disorder and i'm taking medication for both you know i've seen therapists for both Mm. you know adhd is hereditary like i've had it my whole life and depression Mm -hmm. is it also can be hereditary, but it also is, you know, situational. So, but it, looking back, I did have it my entire life. However, I did not get diagnosed until I had just turned 24. So, you know, I, I, the first over two decades of my life, just kind of going through life, feeling like something might've been up, but also like, maybe I'm just bad at life. Maybe I'm <laughs> like, maybe I'm just like a terrible person. Like, you know, maybe I'm just like, I suck at doing stuff and, you know, stuff like that. Hmm. Looking back now, it's just kind of like, it's frustrating and tragic. And I feel like bad for myself that like I had to go through that. Cause like I didn't, mm-hmm. like the, it was all that like 
suffering and like putting myself down and like all that pain was like so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I just hope that, you know, uh, talking about mental health is, has become a lot more, you know, uh, not taboo. It's, it's more like acceptable to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I know it was in like 20, 2012 to like 2014 to 2015. That was, that was when I feel like at least online, there was like more of a shift of like, it was like, it's okay to like, you know, talk about like your mental health and like exactly what the quirks that you have that, that mental health issues are causing. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, reading like funny attic anecdotes online. It's like, haha, Hey, I do that. But it's like, uh, Oh, Oh no, I do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, I feel, I have like no regrets. I would not do anything different. The only thing that, if I had to change anything, I would have like asked for help sooner or like, I wish I had like been like nudged even by like, I don't know, society or internet or Tumblr or whatever, like been Mm -hmm. nudged to be like, Hey, like you might not be okay. And that's okay. And you should just, you you should like, you know, talk about it. Tell someone about that. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, like once I got diagnosed, once I started getting on medication, once I started like going on therapy, like my quality of life improved tremendously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I feel like a completely different person than I was like in my early 20s mm. and even more way different than I was like you know in high school because like you know looking back in high school I was like extremely depressed <laughs> and all and like just kind of like always suffering from ADHD mm. and because I have I, I have uh, inattentive type ADHD so what people look for generally is like oh are, are you having trouble in school you might have ADHD like no I I was very good at school like mm-hmm. I like school. Like I always got good mm-hmm. grades, you know, I got okay grades in math, but like, that was it. Mm-hmm. There was no one around me to like, no, like to, to point out these things that I just thought were like inherent vices about myself. Mm-hmm. There were actually like telltale t- signs of, you know, certain uh, mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have heard that a lot of like, kids who like perform super well they just fly under the radar because it's like oh they're getting good grades so they must be like you know completely fine Exactly. Um, when in fact a lot of that could just be because like you are very good at retaining short-term information or something like that you just study for a test like the day before and yeah there's a lot of that not saying that it's that's every like you know 5.0 gpa kid but um Mm -hmm. yeah just saying that you got an a so you're fine is not okay <laughs> mm. yeah so it, it was a lot of it was a lot of that and like you know and uh, you know and also people telling me like oh you don't have adhd you're just lazy stuff like that mm-hmm. mm. the perception of adhd what adhd makes you do is like oh you do look like a lazy and motivated person but really you're you care so much about everything that you're just like stuck mm-hmm. the paralysis mm. the per- yeah, yeah the paralysis the executive dysfunction just the the anxiety that comes with that and then like and because i also have depression they just like feed into each other so like Mm -hmm. my adhd is like preventing me from like doing what i want to do and my depression looks at that as like huh seems like you're kind of a a shit person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like that and then Mm -hmm. the 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 feedback loop of you know my adhd is like wait do do people still like me you know the the Mm rejection sensitivity dysphoria so it's just all snowballs and it's just just a cool little cocktail of brain chemistry that i have that is being wrangled by you know prozac and adderall by the way adderall Mm -hmm. shortage what's up with that stop it i hate it (laughs) 
I was asked, like, what kind of, was it just because, like, it was generally less taboo to talk about that kind of gave you that push to be like, uh, this could be nothing, but, like, I'm gonna go ask a doctor just to be sure, or, like, was that kind of how you went into it, like, get over that hurdle of, like, I, there's nothing wrong with me, kind of. That's, that's exactly, like, it could be nothing, but, like, maybe I'll ask someone. Yeah, (laughs) I I remember my first phone call, I was, like, so keyed up and nervous i was like pacing in my room and i was like um i hi uh i'd like to make an appointment with the counselor or psychologist um i think i might have depression and maybe oh. adhd oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that was like a whole journey of itself because like i didn't i didn't get diagnosed with adhd until i moved to la back in like mm. you know, 2016 because mm-hmm. i took an adhd test or exam or whatever in NorCal and like the the results was inconclusive. And I'm just like, mm. okay. But mm-hmm. my my therapist explained it like let let's just let's just get the depression under control first and then we'll we'll figure out the ADHD. Which was mm-hmm. which was the right move because I was like wildly depressed. It was not good times. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm you know medicated, diagnosed and all that. Like that that mm-hmm. gives me like you know the, the tools and the and the the power to like, you know basically life hacks that that can work for me at specific times. Mm -hmm. Um, How that translates to in working in the industry is right now it kind of going back to, it's more welcoming to talk about stuff like this. Now I feel like Mm -hmm. more people are getting help in the industry. Like it's, it's kind of like a blanket effect. Like it's helping more people in school. It's helping more people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Like there, there is, there was like some points where like I would have to like tell my life or, you know, my director, I'm like, Hey, like I'm having a bad brain day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like th- this thing that I'm working on, I- I'm going to need like an extension on it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's usually fine. Mm-hmm. Me and a friend taught a EFA storybird class for San Jose state remotely back mm-hmm. in 2018. And one of the things that we told our students was it can be late if you communicate. It's, it's a really good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like, mm-hmm. that's how it is in the, in the, in the industry. Like things can be late, you know, shit happens. I don't know. No one knows the future. Anything could happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay if things are late, but you just need to tell, like if you're in, in the industry, you need to tell your director, you need to tell your line producer, like, Hey, this is what's going on. And this is what I need. And then usually that's like, okay, thanks for telling me we can, we can work around that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's not something we had access to in school. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was for you guys, but like, you know, deadlines were deadlines, and if you miss it, well, it, you're a shit student. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So- Thanks for uh, sharing your story about mental health and uh, for being very vulnerable with us. It's mm-hmm. always really important to talk about that. Just people talking about it of their own volition is one of the big things that like helped me realize some things about myself. Like people mm-hmm. just complaining that like, oh, you know, those days where like you. You have so many things to do, so you don't do anything because you can't decide what to do. And it's just, it's just like little funny things like that where it's like, haha, that's me. Oh no, that's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just that the first step is, you know, just realizing something's wrong. And sometimes that realization comes from like someone making a shit post on Twitter or Tumblr or something. I just hope that there's less of a barrier for people to like feel less ashamed of like considering that like, Something um, might not be totally okay, you know, going on in my head too. 
mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. there, there's like resources to, to deal with that. So I just hope that the more people talk about it, the, the more people feel comfortable to talk about it when it comes to mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And uh, speaking of finding things on Twitter and Tumblr, <laughs> before we get into our final question, where can our audience <laughs> find you? And is there anything else you'd like to promote? Find me on Instagram and and Twitter. I'm not calling it the other name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Twitter, I am unbadger, U-N-B-A-D-G-E-R. On Instagram, I am also unbadger without the E, so that is U-N-B-A-D-G-R. Watch Spirit Rangers, watch Honest Equinox, watch Res Dogs, watch Rutherford Falls. There's so many good native media out that came out like within the last few years. Like that I mean that that is also part of like the native renaissance that that's kind of happening. Mm. Mm. And also, uh, yeah, fuck Christopher Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on that note, as we come to a close, what final advice would you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Know what you like and keep liking it. Don't be like shamed out of like the stuff you like. Cause like I, I grew up, you know, I liked it drawing Pokemon and Digimon and like like drawing animals and such. And, you know, I, I was always felt a little self-conscious of so like, oh, I don't really draw people set that well. But like, you know, I went to school and learned how to draw people. And then, you know, the, the first, literally the first job I got was a show about puppies. Drawing dogs. So it was just, <laughs> yeah, about dogs. <laughs> Things will find you if you just don't stop. Keep the momentum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Perfect advice. Well, thanks again for joining us, Nicolette. And if you enjoyed our interview today, please rate and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. You can follow myself at Radio Silence on Instagram. And you can follow me at Choodles, both on Blue Sky and Instagram as well. Shout out to Stella Longfish and Carissa Valencia for both recommending Nicolette as a guest. Thank you. If you, audience, have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and ways to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guests, who will continue to have a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I don't know why I was going to say that line. <laughs> uh, you can say it. Do you want to thank no, no, Daniel? No, 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 no. I don't know go why on, I, like, on, I was, right? like, I was about <laughs> to say it. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh. <laughs>